mom and dad and what I learned from them. Uh, we serve a generation that's watching us. They're watching us. I have a four-year-old granddaughter, and she's watching us. Everything we say, she repeats it. Uh, I have a little thing that I do with her now. Uh, hey, Lisa, what's up? And she goes, what's up, granddad? What's up? What's up? And boy, she got it down packed. What's up? I mean, she just, it just, it's just that perfect slang. What's up? What's up? And we have fun with that. But, but they're so easy because they do admire us. We are their models. We are their role models. And, 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 and family is the role model. Now, before I get into my message, I want to clear something up about role, model, role modeling because remember when Tiger Woods messed up? See, 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 when Tiger Woods messed up, it became a media frenzy. How could he? Look at what he did, and so forth. And, and I said, Lord, maybe I'm missing something. You see, Tiger Woods is not the role model for my children. Michael Jordan was never the role model for my children. I only had one interest in Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. For Michael Jordan, helped me how to perfect my jump shot. And for Tiger Woods, I want you to help me improve my golf swing. That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't need nothing else from Tiger Woods other than to help me with my golf game. I'm not pointing my children to Tiger. I'm pointing my children to Jesus. I say, everybody's going, oh, he got to be ashamed of himself. Don't he realize he's a, he's a modern? No, 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 no. He's a golfer. So we better stop and check ourselves in terms of where we put sports people and, and people of high uh, 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 influence, where we put them in terms of what we want our children to see. So I, would, I made sure my children understand that, that these are not role models. Yes, you must live a decent life. Yes, we, we encourage people to live moral and all of that. But you're not my role model. And it's a shame how we have twisted things to the point that our children look at stuff now and they have no clue how to put all this together. But God wants to take us to another level. God wants us to cross over, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning for a few moments. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, and beginning with verse 35. What book did I say, everybody? Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. And my Bible reads, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I'm going to focus on verse 35 again. On the same day when evening had come, 
he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. My question for you this morning is, where is the other side? Where is the other side? Imagine, if you will, Jesus is preaching to the multitude, large multitude of people, and the people like him. They're listening to him. They are in, they, 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 they are in favor with him. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes to the family, his disciples. Hello? He goes to the family, his disciples, those he, hung, hang, he was hanging with every day. He goes to his disciples and he says, let us cross over to the other side. Imagine the disciples, well, Lord, wait a minute. Why do we have to leave here? We are popular here. They like us here. There's no confusion here. No one is crying crucifying here. Why do we have to go to the other side? By the way, where is the other side? Well, let's just cross over. Now imagine, if you will, I'm your leader. And I say to you, get in the boat and let us go to the other side. You ask me, well, well, pastor, where is the other side? I say, over there. You say, well, where is over there? On the other side. I don't think you'll be too enthusiastic about following my leadership if the destination is on the other side. But Jesus said to the family, we must go there. And so they get on the boat, the Bible says, and they're, and they're there. And there are times when families get on their boat and they're sailing along and everything seems fine. Everything seems great. All is well. There are no problems. And the sun is shining and the birds are singing. The nice cool breeze and you're sitting back. Oh, Lord, things don't get no better than this. Then all of a sudden, the Bible says a storm arose and every family is going to have a storm. Oh yeah, you may cover your stuff well when you come to church. You may be able to dress over it and hide it and suppress it, but everybody knows every family got some storms. Oh yeah, you may have perfected how well you display the problem, but everybody got something going on. And that shouldn't be no secret. But the storm came, and the Bible says when the storm came, everything changed. Imagine the mood on that boat. Oh, yeah, they, was, they, they, they were high-fiving each other. Man, you all saw what Jesus did the other day, and they got the little short stories reflecting on what Jesus had done. Oh, they're having a great time laughing and joking around. But, 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 when, but when the clouds shadowed the sun, and when it turned dark and that cool breeze came, and that boat started rocking back and forth, all of a sudden, the laughter ceased. The high-fiving stopped. All of a sudden, now they find themselves with water, the Bible says, is now filling up the boat. And there are times when water unexpectedly will come and fill up your boat. And you're trying to find out how in the world did we get ourselves in this mess. We just left the crowd of people that were singing our praises over there. And all of a sudden, we're now in a storm. And the boat is filling up with water. All it takes is one negative person. All it takes is one negative person. And every family got one. If you haven't been to a family reunion, there's always one. Oh, we just had ours back in July. I'm telling you, there's always one. It doesn't take everybody, it just takes just one. I mean, we know where we're going. 
Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. That was a destination. But somebody said, oh, Lord, we ain't going to make it. Somebody cried out, we going to die. And like an echo through the Grand Canyon. Everybody heard it. We're going to die. Oh, really? We're going to die. And that grown men are screaming, God, ah, we're going to die. <laughs> and the Bible says, they went and awakened Jesus. Big mistake. I'm going to give you three reasons why they awakened Jesus. You see, the first reason why they awakened Jesus is because they doubted the promise. Now see, when Jesus says, I'm going to take your family from point A to point B, that's a promise. Jesus does not second guess what he says to us in his word. If Jesus says we're going to cross over to the other side, that means we are going there. Now, how do we get to we're going there to we're not going to make it? The question is, who do you believe? The second reason why they awakened Jesus is because they doubted his presence. Now, 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 now stay with me, folks, and, and I'm kind of rushing here because I want to get to something at the end that, that that's just brings this whole thing of uh, blended families together. Now, Jesus is on the boat. No, 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 no. He didn't just send them ahead like he had done once before. No, 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 no. In this occasion, on this occasion, he's on the boat. It's not here. I will be with you. No, I am with you. I'm here. I'm present. Now, how do we go to God being present with us till we're not going to make it? I mean, were they thinking, if they're going to perish, then what's going to happen to Jesus? The third reason why they're wicked him is that they doubted his peace. See, see, not only had he promised, not only was he present, but he was asleep on a pillow. That means he was out, snoring. No, no idea he was going to wake up until he got there. He was sleeping during a storm at peace. You see, families, you need to take more time to look at what Jesus is doing. You see, sometimes the family is away because you're looking at everything else except for Jesus. If God is at peace, then I'm at peace. See, see, 
there were some things that used to get me all riled up. And then one day it dawned on me, why am I riled up? You know, folk would say something on a committee, man, I'm just, I'm just sitting there waiting. You know, somebody say something, boy, I'm, I'm just there. You know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 why do I do that? No, 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 you know what, that, 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 I don't want to be like that anymore. You see, I tell everybody, I don't mind changing for God. By the way, let me just inject something here. I shared with your pastor last night something that happened two years ago. Two years ago, I, I, you know, I'm at the North American Division, and I'm there at that point uh, uh, 10 years, and God has blessed my work, and I'm just doing what i got to do faithfully. I've never been told I've been arrogant or high above myself or that kind of thing. I've never, at least I've never heard that. And I'm just doing what i got to do and feeling pretty good about what, I, what God is doing through me. And it was January 15, 2010, when just like I'm talking to you right now, I heard a voice from God say, Negro, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. And I'm struggling with God because God, whoa, 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 what do you mean I don't know nothing? You heard me. You don't know nothing. Tom, you've been in youth ministry 20 years and all that kind of stuff. Shut up. Shut up. And I felt insulted by God. He hurt my feelings. And I said, well, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And here's what God told me to do in 2010. He said, I want you to start over. I want you to start over. And I shared with your pastor last night, the last two years since I've started over and since I'm only in my second year of youth ministry, God is speaking so fast, I can't keep up. People ask me, James, what has gotten into you, man? What, what's going on? And, and I said, I, 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 I just said now. In 2010, I was only the author of, of just one book and now the author of five and and, 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 and another one released next month. And, and about three months later, another one going to be released. And, 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 and I just see it. And, and God's got it all outlined for me. And it's just working. It's just working. But I never heard that before. I never felt that before. I never could do it that way before. And the stuff that God is giving, I know it's of him because it's not of me. God gave me the thought of the book. What kind of church do we want to be when we grow up? And I'm going to deal with the seven characteristics of a full-grown church. That's not me. That's God. But when you're at peace, when God is at peace, God said, just watch me. And I'll show you how to calm down. I'll show you how to put it all together. Because without peace, there is confusion. And that's why there was confusion on the boat. Because they weren't looking at Jesus. And so the Bible says they went to awaken him. Now, I don't know who went to awaken Jesus, but somebody woke him. Now, 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 follow me, follow me. Can you imagine? The Bible says they are afraid and they're all scared and they think they're going to die. Now, how do you think they approach Jesus? My brother, come here for a moment. Yeah, come, come, come here. Now, I, I don't know how they, yeah, but just, just, just close your eyes like you sleep. You sleep, you sleep. Now, now I don't think... They went up to Jesus like this. Um, excuse me, um, Mr. Jesus, um, we have a problem here. Um, we need some immediate assistance, please. No, 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 no. They were scared. Jesus, ah, wake up. 
we're going to die. Now imagine what goes on in Jesus' mind when he hears, first of, all, you, first of all, I think Jesus was upset over the fact that they woke him up. Thank you, brother. I, I think Jesus was upset over the fact that they woke him up. But he wakes up and hears the word, do you care whether or not we're going to die or live? And I would imagine that Jesus has to catch himself. Wasn't that by me again? The last thing I said to the family was that we were going to make it to the other side. What happened between that moment and the time I went to sleep that you believe you're going to die? Well, they said, Lord, 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 um, um, well, 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 look at the storm. Okay, I see the storm. Now, why'd you wake me? <laughs> well, Lord, look at the thunder. Oh, yeah, that's some rolling thunder. But why did you wake me? Well, Lord, don't you see the lightning flashing from the east to the west? Yeah, that's some bad behind lightning. But why did you wake me? Well, Lord, the waves are overflowing in the boat and it's spreading up and we've been trying to save ourselves by bailing ourselves out. Who told you to bail anybody out of anything? My question is why did you wake me up? So the Bible says Jesus because he's awake now he ain't got nothing else to do. So he See, 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 we put emphasis where emphasis is not supposed to be. That's right. That's right. Oh, see, see, I remember how I used to preach this. See, I used to preach about, man, I could, you know how it is, pastors, when we're not studying. Boy, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna knock it out this time. Boy, I can't wait. I know when that comments get there, when we get to that peace be still, we went for that peace be still moment. And boy, we are, everything is built around that, and we anticipate, oh, that moment is coming, that moment is coming. And you know how we used to do it, we get to that point in, Jesus, Jesus stands up, Jesus looks at that storm, smash the lightning out of the sky, smash the thunder, fast to that ocean, peace be still, and the ocean says, Master, yes, sir. Everybody go, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord. And then one day God says, why are people shouting about that? No, no, no. If you're going to shout by something, shout by the fact that I created the ocean. Huh? 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 If you're going to shout by something, shout by the fact that I am wind. If you're going to shout by something, shout about the fact that I am the lightning. And before me, nothing else was here. If you're going to shout about something, shout about that. Don't shout about the fact that I asked them to obey me. Because they have no choice. That's what they got to do. Yeah, the ocean obeyed. And when the ocean obeyed, everything calmed down. Jesus had a question for them. He said, what happened to the family? 
What happened? You see, when we started out, we were all together. We were all on one accord. A storm came, punked us out, and you thought you weren't going to make it. Why are you so afraid? What happened to your faith? What happened to it? They didn't answer, if you look at this text. Their response was, oh my goodness, this is an awesome God. That even the winds and the waves obey his voice. You see, the issue here is, God has granted every man, woman, boy, and girl a measure of faith. The question comes, what are you doing with your measure? You see, we even pray the wrong prayer. We pray for more faith. We can't handle more faith. I'm not even sure that God would even trust us with more faith. You only need a measure. And that's why his illustration about mustard seeds. And by the way, my wife and I were just in Russia, and we passed up uh, 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 thousands of mustard seeds. Mustard, mustard seeds are with me everywhere I go. Because I want people to understand it doesn't take much. Doesn't take, and, he, and he chose the tiniest of seeds. And he said, just, just, just look at it. It's, it's so tiny. It's, so, it's just little. It's, it's, it's a little thing. It doesn't take much. And people, you need to understand that before Jesus said, let us cross over another side, if you look at a few verses over, that was the message that he had taught them before they got on the boat. So the question Jesus was asking them is, why didn't you execute your measure? Why didn't you utilize your measure? In essence, what he was saying is, did you speak to the storm? You see, what Jesus is saying here, I can understand you waking me up if you had spoken to the storm and the storm did not obey. You see, 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 I can understand that, but, but Jesus said, Lord, we tried everything we could try and we can't do anymore. I need you now. Oh yeah, Jesus will come through then. But you woke me before you even tried speaking to the storm. Pastor Black, I, I need you to pray for me. Have you prayed for yourself yet? I need you to fast for me, but have you fast for yourself yet? See, we were out here waking up God for no reason. Oh, he's there? He's not going anywhere? But God is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, no, 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 no. If you need, if you, if you want me, call on me when you really need something. But it's some stuff y'all calling me on. Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, my God. Yeah. My God. They didn't even speak to the storm. That's right. They saw it, pumped out, and went to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Families give up too easily. Right. We walk away too easily. Let me tell you why you ought to be very careful about how, about how soon you allow your little children to quote-unquote date and court each other. You need to listen to me. I'm about to lay something on you. I'm teaching a little kindergarten Sabbath school. And you got your little kids down here at front end. I hear one talking about 
me and him go together. They go together. I'm thinking maybe they were dressed alike or something or whatever. <laughs> they go together. Yeah. They go together. And so that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he got to sit there because they go together. You know what happens? That going together doesn't last long. And then they go to first grade. And then they go together with somebody else. And now the first grader is now talking about their ex from kindergarten. And so every year, every year, they're going with somebody different. So by the time they get to 12th grade, they have 12 exes. Wow. Listen to me, y'all. Listen to me. So that when it comes down to committed relationships, hello, somebody. They have no clue because it's been a game for 12 years. If you don't like it, you just walk away. Because they see everybody else doing it. And then they come from marriage times when we want to be married. And don't have a clue what it means to be committed for the rest of your life. So my daughter Stephanie in particular, I got to mess with her, she's here. I remember she was around 15 and 16 and she went to kind of date and so forth. And I said, there's only one brother I want to see you talking to, and that's Ed. <laughs> you know what I Ed. Boy, she's a hate. She's a hate. Dad, I hate Ed. I hate Ed. And finally, when they, well, Dad, who is Ed? Education. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, see, 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 see. I trust Ed. Because see, once you get Ed, Ed will never leave you. Ed will, Ed will be with you for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now, now that, that's her boyfriend next to her, next to her. He know about Ed too. Oh, Joe, 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 nobody here. Joe, nobody here. You see, if we're not careful, we're breeding a generation of folk who are preparing to walk out on each other. That's sad. That's sad. So, Jesus calms the storm, and guess what, everybody? They make it to the other side. Here's where it gets interesting. They get to the other side, just as he promised. Just as he promised. And when they get to the other side, the Bible says they get out the boat, and, and now they, 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 they see a demon-possessed man. coming towards them. And Ellen White says that the same disciples that were willing to jump off the boat ran back on the boat. 
It's amazing. They're ready to jump off. But now they ran back home, saw another challenge, and they ran. The whole family ran. Imagine that, they, they're back on the boat hiding. Listen to the conversation on the boat. Woo, woo, man. Man, did y'all see that man? Man, man, that dude jacked up. Oh, man, look at his hand. Chains and ropes hanging from his body. I've never, man, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Oh, man, don't tell me we lost Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus out there talking to the man. They come out to listen what's going on. And they see Jesus. Confronting a demon. Possessed man. A man that was part of the family. But had been set aside by society. And left in a graveyard to die. And the Bible says this man had ropes and chains hanging from his body showing that they had been trying to bound him and leave him for dead. But he would break loose every time. And the Bible says this family member spent day and night doing two things. Crying and cutting himself. You know why he was crying and cutting himself? Because the family had left him. How many times have we disfellowshipped the family? How many times have we ostracized the family? Thinking we're doing God a favor! We're trying to figure out where our young adults are. Jesus pierced that life. Release that man. Release him. And then the disciples got it. Okay. Let us cross over to the other side. Okay, we got it. Jesus saw the man from the other side. And the purpose for the journey is that when Jesus sees a family member in trouble. He's got to go and rescue. He's got to go and get them. He's not going to leave you out there for he says, I will never forsake you. I don't know what you tell what you've done. There's never a thing you could ever do that will allow Jesus to forsake you. Because if that was the case, he needs to stop with me right now. I'm so glad that Jesus saw me and he saw you from the other side. He came once and he says, I'm coming again. No storm is going to stand between me and you. No lightning, no thunder, no waves are going to stand between me and you. I'm going to close with this. See, mommy and daddy taught me something. I'm about to tell you something from chapter four in my book, God's Got a Plan and I'm in it. 
I was only eight years old, John. Right there in Savannah, Georgia. And one Sabbath, Elder Fred Parker made an announcement that there's a brother, Cain, that is in serious need of help. He's sick, he's elderly, and he just needs somebody to go by and clean him up. In that church, that Sabbath, we had about 600 people. I remember that Sabbath because every Sabbath morning, the deacons would come out from this way and they would sit here and the deaconesses would come out this way and sit over there. And I would, I would always wait for that moment every Sabbath because my daddy would come out and he was the second tallest deacon in the church. And I was impressed with that. My daddy was a tall man. And my mother would come out and the ladies were in white. And my mother led them. And the pastor made the announcement. He was waiting for someone to raise their hand. I'm thinking that, you know, the problem is going to be who's going to go with all these people raising their hand. But nobody raised their hand. And I remember Deacon John Black leaned over and looked over at Sister Pretty Little Clarita Black. And she leaned over and looked at him. And like synchronized swimmers, they raised their hands at the same time. They said we would go in the pocket and said, praise the Lord, all the sister, brother and sister black will go. And the whole church said amen, but all the black children in there said, oh my goodness, here we go again. <laughs> we were so upset with my mom and dad that when we got in the car going home, we were just fussing. Why is it that every time somebody needs help, you guys got to go help them? Mm, come on, Richard, with the word. Mm. And all they said was, we got to go, we got to go. I'm going to just give you the short version. Y'all get the book and y'all can read the rest of it. Sunday morning came and it was time to go and something unusual happened that morning. The mom and dad asked, there were nine children, seven girls and two boys. And they awakened me to go with them that morning and I don't know why. They just said, you're going with us. And I was about to say, oh no, I'm not. And I realized that I did not want to become an astronaut prematurely. <laughs> and so I jumped up and put my overalls on. And you remember the overalls? Y'all put the suspenders? <laughs> Y'all put them on, man. Got ready. See, with overalls, you get, you, you get ready real quick. You just put them on. You ready. You know? And uh, got in the car and went to the east side. And oh, my goodness. He was on the east side. We live on the west side. There's a rivalry between the east side and the west side. And, 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 and we get to the east side on Wheaton Street, and, and, and we pulled up to Brother Kane's house. I'm just giving you the short version. But, but we went to the door and knocked on the door, and no one answered. And my mother turned the doorknob, and sure enough, it was open. And there's a stairway that leads up to the second-story store, second apartment. And I'm sorry, there are two doors side by side. The left door is for the downstairs apartment. The right door is for the upstairs. And, and we, we walked upstairs, and we got upstairs. And what I saw was just amazing. First of all, the stench in the place as we walked upstairs were unbearable. And you know, when you were eight years old, you were very honest. And so walking upstairs, I remember shouting out, oh, oh, it stinks in here. <laughs> my mother said, boy, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, my best stink. <laughs> and we got to the top of the stairs, and there I saw 
roaches and rats and stuff all over the place. I mean, I saw roaches chasing rats. <laughs> These were those, you, you know, you've seen, the, you've seen the gold membership roaches? Those roaches that stand up on their leg like this right here and they... Have y'all ever seen... No, seriously. Have y'all ever seen roaches do that? They, really, like, like, what you gonna do? You know, they, they, they just... Like, no, 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 I, I dare you to say something, you know? And I'm like, whoa, man, this is amazing. And, 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 and then my mother said, Brother Cain, are you here? And we heard a faint voice. I know my time is over, brother, but just give me a minute here. But, 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 but we heard a faint voice from the back room, and we went to that back room, and my mother opened the door. And at age eight, I will never forget. And every time I tell this story, it's like I've never told it before because this impact just is always covered. We opened that door, and what I saw, I will never forget, neither do I want to forget. He was an elderly man lying in his bed, and he had urinated and had so many bowel movements over and over again that through the covers through the sheets and through the covers, the blankets and everything, everything had seeped through. And the flies and gnats were swarming around him. You know my first impression was? I looked at that man. And I remember yesterday when the pastor asked the question, who will go? That nobody raised their hand. And that if my mom and daddy had not raised their hand, today this man would not have help. And then I thought, wait a minute. This man is a member of my church family. And there were 600 people in church yesterday. And this family member lying filth as if he was not a human being. And that's when it happened. Mom and dad took off their coats. They didn't say a thing. They just took off their coats. Rolled their sleeves up. Went over to that man and pulled those blankets back. Just pull all that stuff back. I'm just giving you the short version. And my mama got to cleaning up the house and cleaning up the kitchen. And meanwhile, I'm left there with my daddy. And I saw my daddy unbutton this man's pajamas while mama is boiling water on the stove. And daddy undressed him, took off his clothes, and used his clothes to wipe as much of that stuff off of him as he could. Dad didn't have any rubber gloves. Dad just was busy wiping this stuff. And I saw the stuff getting all over my dad. But dad was focusing on the man, not his stuff. And dad just kept wiping and wiping and wiping. And by this time now, they'd got the tub set. And then I saw dad. This was a huge man. And, and my father, 6'2", and 
and just scooped up under him and wobbled with this man to the bathtub and dad got down on his knee and set that man in the tub. Then I stood there and watched my father bathe this man. He washed his hair. He washed his face. I saw daddy twist the washcloth and got in his ears and up his nose and in his ears. I saw daddy take that soap, ivory soap it was, and I saw him take and make a lather out of that soap and rub it on his arms, and daddy went into that man's private area and washed it several times. Daddy drained the water and rinsed him and washed him a second time. By this time, mother has now sanitized the mattress and, and cleaned it up and put new clean sheets on the mattress. And, and everything is looking better now and smelling better. And dad now picks brother Cain back up and wobbles with him back to the bed and sets him in the bed. And dad now takes baby powder and lotion. And he massages this man's body all over and went into the chafe area of his private areas and, and just made sure everything was all right and then put clean clothes on that man. I saw them do that. And then this is when it happened. Mother came in with some soup she had made and sat on the edge of that bed. And this man was just apologizing the whole time. And mom and dad didn't say anything. They just hummed the hymns, just hummed the hymns. And mother fed him that soup. And when a person is cleaned up, there's something about cleanliness that changes your presence. There's something about cleanliness that just brings life in you. Brother Cain began to look as if there was hope. <laughs> mother fed him that soup and then I'm just standing there just watching, just watching. And that's when it happened. Brother Cain locked eyes with me for the first time that I can recall. And he sees me standing there at age eight just looking at him. And he said, little boy, come here. I'm like, who, me? <laughs> like there was another little eight-year-old boy in the room, you know. And I walked over to Brother Cain. He said, little boy, what's your name? I said, my name's James Black. He said, do you know these people? I said, oh, yeah. This is my daddy, Deacon John Black, and he's the second tallest deacon in the church. <laughs> this is my mama, Deacon S. Clarita Black, and she wears white and leads the ladies every Sabbath morning. He said, they're good people. And then he, he said this to me. He said, little boy, I don't have much time to live. But I want you to make me a promise. Yes. I said, a promise? I said, what's that, Brother Cain? He said, I want you to promise me that when you grow up, yes, you're going to be just like your mama and just like your daddy. Well. I looked at my daddy and I see mess all. I look at my mom, dust all in her hair. 
You could see where she had been sweating and it dried. I looked at him. And I looked back at that man. And I said, yes, sir, Brother Kane. I want to be just like him. So you see, everybody, I can't help myself. Yeah, I get mess on myself. Because I've seen mess on others that got it from somebody else. I've seen others go where nobody else will go. I've been criticized for going, but that's okay because I can't help myself. I'm going to keep on going. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to keep on going. You see, over 2,000 years ago, as I close now. Yes, sir. Say something nice to me, sir. Jesus got my mess on him. For the Bible says he became sin for me. He put his arms under my mess and got it on him. He got it on him. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Jesus saw me from the other side in mess knowing I can't survive on my own. But he says, I'll go. I'll go. And I'll get you out of that stuff. The only reason why some of you and your families are in stuff is because you've not allowed Jesus to take your stuff. This morning, I'm calling for a surrender of family stuff. Somebody didn't hear what I said. A surrender of family stuff. Stuff that is in and on your family that doesn't need to be there. And we want to come today and surrender that to Jesus. Because Jesus says, I saw it. I see it every day. Oh, I'm not going to rain that on the the, 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 the 40 for family parade. No, 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 no. This is part of that. But God says, see, see, let me tell you something. Here's what I have learned about youth ministry in 20 years. See, see, I know how it is to come to church and we all do it so well. We present ourselves as holy, living sacrifices, holy unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we look so nice doing it. Everybody seems so happy. And we say, Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Lovely, 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 darling. Lovely. And we walked in with stuff. The children and children's story. If you were to pull them aside privately and convince them that you're telling about, they'll tell you about the stuff. If you ask the young people, They'll tell you about the stuff. 
Oh, let me get real just for a moment, everybody. Let, let me, Pastor, can I get real? Can I get permission to get real? Let me get real for a moment. See, 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 one thing that we adults got to be very careful of is that kids are experts with closets. Children see through closets. So while you're doing your stuff in the closet, just understand that the young people of this church know who's in the closet. So while you thought that nobody knows about your affair, understand the kids are talking about your affair. Y'all feel me now? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we can't hide this stuff. If you're going to be real about it, be real about it. Because either, either this thing is going to be about cleaning it up or we just do business as usual. The family is under attack and the only way we're going to win is surrender it to Jesus. But you got to bring everything. 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 And this is not a general appeal. It's just straight up, God, I know there's stuff in my family. I acknowledge it. I realize that to some extent I don't have the ability to deal with it. But I'm going to trust you that with the power through the measure that you gave us, I'm going to exercise that little bit and surrender it to you and put it in your hands as you calm our storm. If that's your commitment to family, only if that's your commitment, I want you to stand with me today. It's not a general appeal. And you don't have to, don't feel bad if you don't stand, just, just, it's just there. It's just there. It's just there. Perhaps there's a family member that's not here. Perhaps you are the parent of a child that used to be a member of this church. And they're no longer here. You want to go a step further? And you want to bring it to the altar. You want to say, God, I'm, I'm standing now, but, but, but see, I want to surrender everything. I want to bring it to the altar. I want to bring it to the altar. And at the altar, I stand first. I stand first. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask my family. I'm going to ask my family to come stand with me. Y'all come, come stand with me. We're going to be the first. Just come up here. Come up here and stand with me.